You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. Kiama Community Radio is proud to present to you Any of the Airlines. Written, produced and performed by Neil Riley. Episode 6. My training was now behind me and in front of me I had a friend, Captain Marina. His, his gruff exterior covered a good-hearted Joe with a soft center. That could kill a man if needed in under the beat of that good heart. He taught me more in that 16 weeks than all my teachers, tutors and trainers had tried to pound into my head in a lifetime. It had to do more, more than the mechanics of killing and spying and subterfuge. It had to do with the brain stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, the captain was no shrink, but he knew more about the noodles of spies than most of them knew about their own. So the GI manual says spies lead double lives, requiring them to regularly deceive other people. Well, let me tell you, Annie, that's the darn same for every individual on earth. Oh no, I protested. I'm as honest as the day is long. So I can trust you for, what, 24 hours? No, no, I, I always tell the truth. Okay. What's your natural hair color? I, I looked away. I, I touched my face. I hesitated. And, and, and finally I said, blonde, blonde, of course. <laughs> he fixed me with a narrowing gaze and just stared and stared and stared. At last I said, well, 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 pretty close to blonde. Clairol just brings out the, his eyes grew more narrow. Okay, so we all lie. Some better than others, and that's the trick. So, equipped with the wit and wisdom of Captain Marina, I was at last on my first mission. I flew our airline into Frankfurt, no trouble, then on to Kessel, where I hopped a tiny Cessna with my parachute and kit. I looked more like a camel than an international woman of intrigue. We headed over the frontier from West Germany to the east. As the plane approached the target area for the drop, the pilot opened a hole in the floor of the fuselage. I hitched the static line of my parachute onto the hook in the plane. When the red light came on, with my legs dangling over the edge of the hole, I looked steadfastly at that glowing monster, waiting for it to turn green. It was quite eerie, because at this point, the engines cut to slow the plane down. It was quiet except for the noise of the wind. You're supposed to go straight down out of the plane to avoid the slipstream just like a condemned man on the scaffold. Just then, well before the red light changed color, I looked down through the hole. As I leaned forward, I fell out into the night. I was just free-falling, and then, then my static line jerked my chute open. When it opened, I just glided down. Gosh, it looked rather dark down there. But where? I seemed to be floating for a good time and not falling very fast until suddenly 
I got the ground coming up at me, and oh gosh, it was going very, very fast, and oof! My mission was to take photos of the motor plant near Eisnach, where instead of making cars, they were making bombs. Now, the cars were called Wartburg 311s. I saw pictures of these ugly cars, and I could tell instantly. I thought they were making bombs. I was to take pictures, then escape out through the Thurkingham Forest, which was close to the West German border, and sneak back to democracy. The only trouble was, I was in the wrong spot. I was in the middle of what looked like a garbage dump. It was around midnight, so rather than move around too much, I hunkered down behind a mound of tin cans and caught forty winks. By morning, I could see I was dumped into that forest. It had to be the Thurkenham Forest, miles from Eisenach. There was a thick coverage of trees and a thicker coverage of garbage. Tin cans of all kinds, soup, tuna, fish, beef, sausages, vegetables, a whole supermarket full of used tin cans for what seemed like miles. I picked up one of these cans, one of the less putrid ones, and as I was examining it, ping, it, it flew out of my hand. And then the cans around me started to bounce around, pinging and banging like a Buddy Rich solo. Holy smoke, I was under fire. I dived to the deck and grabbed my forty-five. Before I had a chance to slide back the mechanism to cock the weapon, a dirty, rusty bayonet was just in front of my nose. And behind that was a smoking old rifle, and behind that a smoking old man. I'll stay the turn, he ordered. Leg dine hand und weiter ins Kopf. Slowly, I stood to my feet with my hands on my head. Not easy, not elegant, but it's what the old guy wanted. I dropped the forty-five. I answered in German. I speak German, you know. Uh, why I was so good I could speak it with a French accent. I'll tell you some other time. In the meantime, I'll retell the conversation in English. I told the old-timer... I was going for a walk and lost my way, but cramps, he wasn't buying it at all. So, dressed in the uniform, carrying a weapon, and your face all blackened up, you were strolling through the forest, eh? He loaded the old bolt-action Mauser with another round. No, hey, wait up there, Grandpa, that musket's likely to go off and hurt somebody. He looked me over. And then he tried to recover my gun, and then I swear, he fell over. His rifle went off, and the slug missed my foot by inches. But his own foot was impaled by the bayonet. Quickly, I first recovered my gun, and then I took a couple of steps back to give this old galoot the once-over. He had beetling gray eyebrows and a large, droopy mustache to match. His face was like wrinkled like seersucker and pale as the moonlight, and he looked like to be wearing a grey coat with, with more patches than the original material. No boots, just rags. Some kind of a black hat that fell off when he fell over. Remembering my training, I took the assertive stance and gruffly asked if he could stand. 
He, he tried to rise, but his foot was nailed firm to the ground by the bayonet. Who are you? I shouted. Unter Officer Lehmann Herman. From where? Guardia Regimenta Zufus. <laughs> that was the guard regiment of the first foot. I mean, I looked at his pivoted foot, and I laughed. My hand instinctively went to cover my mouth, and I smacked myself in the kisser with my forty-five. I fell, and the gun discharged and murdered a cache of tin cans. Another drum solo, a little bit more Gene Krupa this time. Old Herman grabbed my gun and looked at it in wonder, but still had the presence of mind to point the ugly thing at me. This was a Mexican standoff. He couldn't move, and I daren't. That's when I heard the rattling roar of the oncoming tank. Sadly, that's where we leave Annie and her adventures for the moment. Stay tuned for Series 2 of Annie of the Airlines, coming soon. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.